Hi there, Ethan here. Today's guest is Natalie Smith, and she is half of the band Cape Weather, and so I wanted to play a clip of their new song because I absolutely adore it. I hope you do too, and then we will get into the podcast. But first, here is Cape Weather's new song, Slow Dance, right here on 98.6 KRAP, The Crap. clip from slow dance by cape weather hope you enjoy the rest of your drive it's raining right now in fresno and coming up next we got bad science the podcast right here on 98.6 krap the crap bad science did the movie get it right bad science or will we have to fight Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Science. I'm your host, Ethan Edinburgh. This is the show where we break down the science of a film with a comedian and a scientist. And today is just like all those other days because we're talking about Shark Tale from 2004, a DreamWorks animated film. And I have two wonderful guests with me. First off is a very good friend of mine. She is half of the band Cape Weather. It's Natalie Smith. Hi. How are you this beautiful morning, Natalie? I'm actually kind of mad at you for making me watch this movie. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Happy to have you. Yeah, same. (laughs) Um, And joining us from Hawaii is the Marine Program Director for the Nature Conservancy, Chad Wiggins. Hey, aloha, y'all. You're saying aloha because you are currently in Hawaii, and is it beautiful over there? Uh, It's beautiful. It's a wonderful morning here on the big island of Hawaii. Yeah, you keep saying that before we started recording, you seem to be a little bit, I don't I want to say prejudiced, but you really love the big island and you were kind of <laughs> shit talking the other island. So do you want to uh, lay that out for people? Well, you know, there's something to be said about the glow of youth and this island at only 500,000 years old has got it going on. You know, it's still, still vital and vibrant. And as you get mm. to the other islands, they get older and older. You know, by the time you're in Kauai, you're, you're at a Five million years old. So that's an elder elder island. Sweet. So don't respect your elders is essentially your what you're saying. Yeah, maybe respect them, but also embrace that uh, that young time when you can really get out there and, and do a lot. So don't spend time with them. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we might have learned everything you need to know. Hey, real quick, Ethan, um, my title is a little different. Yeah, and please. Not a big deal, but I'm the Palmyra Program Director. 
uh, for the Nature Conservancy. Oh, so talking okay, about the Paul island, Meyer program director. Paul Myra is a tiny island about a thousand miles south of Hawaii. Oh, okay. Secret island. So you specialize in studying the secret islands. Yes, indeed. Exactly. Um, and I, I'm happy to uh, share all the secrets today. That's really my goal is to get everything out there. How Whoa. do you get to the secret island? Uh, by sea. Um, <laughs> that's the best way. <laughs> by sea. Yeah, you can you can sail there. Okay. Yeah, get to the island by sea. Wow. If you if you want to get there and actually do work, the Conservancy has a climate adaptation and resilience lab at Palmyra, hmm. and so we do charter flights from Honolulu for scientists and uh, for key people to get down to Palmyra. And so I watched a video of you basically admitting your addiction to the water, that if you're not in the water often enough that you drive your family crazy. And you also talked about like coral bleaching. And so I just wanted to ask you about that because I've, I've heard a little bit about it on various podcasts that we've done. And in your opinion, are we doomed? Are the coral reefs just doomed and we're not going to have them anymore pretty soon? Or is there hope in that department? Hey, good news. Uh, coral has been on the planet Earth for 535 million years. And the oceans have been higher, warmer. Um, the conditions have been worse than they are today in the past. The unfortunate part of that mm. is that those conditions were not amenable to human life. So that's the bad part. The downside, uh, coral research will be here in a million years. Will people be here to enjoy them? That's really the mission that we need to focus on. And corals are giving us a good indication that we're okay. we're giving ourselves a hard time. Awesome. Hmm. <laughs> what? That doesn't make you feel good? <laughs> so it's like people people are doomed. Coral is good. Yeah. Fine. Right. Yeah. The coral. Okay. Yeah. That's the takeaway. Don't listen like to your that. elders. <laughs> and <they're, laughs> don't, don't expect to live for a million years. Yeah. Don't spend okay. time with your grandparents. That's boring. And you will all probably die and the oceans will be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. I mean, it sounds like yeah. it sounds like the sooner we die, the quicker the oceans will be fine. So do you promote a massive human death? Oh, gosh. There's some, there's some nuance there. Slight nuance. Or we can talk about Shark Tale. <laughs> Chad, had you seen Shark Tale before? Great question. I had, yeah. I saw it when it first came out. Um, the star-studded cast was oh my was mind-blowing at that time. Two star-studded, would you say? It's it's shocking how many stars. Mm -hmm. They spent all of the money on the stars mm -hmm. and none of the money on the script writing. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> this is great for me because I try really hard not to bash any movie that we do on here. So I love when a guest can come on and just let their true feelings be known. <laughs> oh, I'll let it go. <laughs> I actually have no skin in the game. Yeah, I mean, okay, sorry to cut you off there, Chad, but that was something I, I wanted to make note of really fast is that like, I knew there were celebrities in the movie, obviously, but it was like every 90 seconds was a new humongous celebrity in this movie. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, I watched it with my son and even he was starstruck by the celebrities. He didn't obviously recognize mm -hmm. all of them. He didn't recognize Katie Current. <laughs> how how old's your son? Uh, he's 13. Okay. And he's, you know, he's very interested in drama and acting. But what's notable about this movie, you mentioned they spent all the, the budget on stars. I think that the makeup budget must have been tremendous. I mean, how did they get these <laughs> celebrities to look, <laughs> look, look so much like these bitch? Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, actually, I'm kind of happy that you watched it with your son or because I was wondering a lot of the time, like, would a kid even get a lot of these jokes? Yeah. I. You know, just like. So many Godfather references or mm -hmm. references to older pop culture, which I'm wondering, like, would the target demographic of this movie, like, 
you mean, which is probably younger than 13, like even understand this. Yeah. And I don't know that he got it all, but I think he, I think we've cultivated a, a future movie critic is what's happened as a result of, of us, our forced watching of a shark's tail. Wow. Oh, wow. Shark's tail made his career. <laughs> yeah, we could say that. You don't hear yeah. that. You don't hear that very often in interviews with, you know, icons and heroes for them to say like, well, my life was on one path and then I saw Shark Tale. It changed everything. <laughs> yeah, it's a new paradigm. I don't think a lot of people are going to run out and watch a Shark's Tale after listening to this, but it is an interesting movie. No, we're not doing a good job yet. But when you saw it, were you, some scientists can become a little... I don't want to say peeved because that sounds like I'm in a 1960s sitcom, but like distracted by things that are not realistic enough. Did you find that to be the case or did you just let that go and have a have a fun time? I, I mostly enjoyed it. There was one piece which was the that got to me um, turning the fish fins into hair. I hadn't really seen that as an artistic choice before, and I'm not sure it fully translated onto the screen. But other than that, I, um, I really enjoyed the characters. What was that for? Were they? It was like a hair salon commercial or something? Yeah, the femme I fatale. Really... I should have written down a character names down. Oh, oh, oh. Angelina Jolie's character. Yeah, I don't know that it, it made her that much more uh, appealing to have her fin kind of flopping over on her face like a, a beautiful styled hair hairstyle. Wow, I didn't even notice. That's, that is really funny. Yeah, I didn't I didn't put it together either. I was just drowning, let's say. <laughs> anyway, there was a lot of really on the nose, um, I, don't, I don't know what to call it, like parody type stuff. Like there was um, Coral Cola and Gup instead of Gap. And <laughs> I even saw fish. Fun puns. I, yeah, fun puns. I saw a uh, News Reef instead of Newsweek and, and Fish King. I wrote King. them down. <laughs> Shell phone? Yeah. Shell yeah. phone? Uh, also, Raise the Reef. I don't know. Raise the Reef Raise the sounds reef. like a, a campaign, a, a campaign for coral conservation. <laughs> I think that that translates. Oh, true. That would be good. Yeah. That could raise some money. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Will Smith is the main character in this movie. And typically with Will Smith, fun Will Smith films, there's always like a really awesome hit song that comes along with it. And Natalie, I think you uh, requested that you wanted to sing a part of that song. Um. What's the one? Oh, she's dangerous, super bad. Better watch out, she'll take your cash. <laughs> right. Gold digger. That was a gold yeah. digger, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Oh, thank you so much. And is Cape Weather going to be covering uh, Shark Tale Cape Weather t- uh, songs? We will be covering all of the songs from this movie, especially Car Wash. <laughs> <laughs> which which was is a featured cover. in two two parts. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do Christina Aguilera's car wash, which was like <laughs> featured for way too long. So you're gonna be doing specifically Christina Aguilera's version of car wash. Yes, yes. Awesome. The fans are gonna look out for that. Um okay, so obviously I was gonna ask your thoughts on the movie, Natalie, but I think we're all pretty much on the same page. <laughs> I do wanna say though, there was one part I really enjoyed. Oh. Um, it was in the beginning at, when they were doing the Hollywood Walk of Fame, <laughs> and um, they said seal, and then a seal plopped on the seal. I like that part, too. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that part <laughs> a lot. I got to say, Natalie has known me for a very long time, and, and we definitely relate as far as uh, worshiping seal. So any film or television uh, show to reference seal is going to get points in my book. <laughs> yes. Huge, huge seal fan. And kind of pissed off they didn't get seal to do a song for this movie yeah it would have been a perfect like perfect right there seal yeah the moment that he realizes that like angie is his true love and then maybe seal like a seal could come and sing an r&b song like that would be amazing perfect but whatever missed opportunity shark tale 2 which will never come okay 
I have a bunch of, I, I, I guess I could say science questions, but because they came about watching this movie, it could just be really silly questions. So the movie starts with Jack Black's shark character who, you know, is a vegetarian. That's kind of like the, one of the basic plot points in the movie. He's in this mob family and he doesn't want to just kill things and eat them. You know, he's kind of um, more, more sensitive, more fragile. And it starts with him trying to convince a worm that's on a hook uh, to leave, that he's not going to eat him. And so I was just curious in general if sharks would eat a worm on a hook. Like if you were trying to fish for a shark... Would that do anything? Or, do, or I, I, in my head, at least, I, they only eat fish. Yeah. So what do sharks eat? Yeah, good question. Um, so uh, sh- sharks mostly eat, um, they eat what they can find. I mean, they, they wouldn't pass up a worm on a hook if they were eating things. We've found all kinds of stuff in shark stomachs from uh, whole turtle shells to suits of armor. Hmm. Um, so they, they get attracted to things and sometimes they eat them. But what's going to really attract a shark's attention typically, especially from a distance, is a, is a smell. And I don't know that the smell of a worm on a hook is going to bring a shark in uh, from a large distance away. Uh, also, it's probably not a super appealing meal, even if the shark were not a vegetarian. I think it would have mm-hmm. probably been more compelling to show a large fish on that hook uh, that might have gotten the shark more attracted. Right. A lot of times when people are trying to catch sharks, specifically, they'll put a lot of um, blood or chum or fish guts in the water. Delicious. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, right. Well, I don't think it's too far-fetched to consider a uh, shark as a gentle character. I know they don't have that image, but they're misunderstood. And uh, their role, especially for a reef, which is where a shark's tail is the New York City reef, I believe, is the setting, mm-hmm. is to kind of keep everything running smoothly. They're almost like the managers or the controllers or something of, of the reef because they're mm. swimming around. If anything is not where it's supposed to be, then that could become a meal for the shark. But for the most part, everything stays in its lane and uh, the sharks are, are a part of that. They, Whoa. They, so are you saying yeah. that sharks are more like taking care of the bad fish, rebellious fish? They're like vigilantes? Rebellious fish, yeah. Well, sick fish, fish that aren't, aren't quite doing what they evolved to do or what they're adapted to do uh, would draw a shark's attention. Certainly injured fish. Wow. What we can see, so Palmyra is a great example. When the, the water is really clear, you can see 200 feet. What you'll see typically is that a fish gets really interested in something. Uh, maybe it's an octopus, maybe it's a lobster, um, who knows? And then just this swarm of fish go to it. Some of those fish get injured and then a swarm of sharks will come in and it's this frenzy that can happen. It can take 30 seconds from no fish around to surrounded by sharks. Whoa. And then it all dissipates. Everything goes back to normal. And uh, what, wow. why that's so important is because the system needs healthy fish. It needs fish doing what they're supposed to do. And by removing all of the sick and injured fish, the sharks actually drive the productivity of the whole reef. Wow. So they're really important wow. for healthy reefs. I was wondering throughout, um, you know, there's like how you were saying it's just like, you know, an, a little New York City reef. How far fetched is it? it? I guess it's not that it's like a, a community, like all these fish are living together in a symbiotic way. Yeah, I think that's not far fetched at all. Um, it's. Really interesting that the the lead character of this film is a is a cleaner fish, um, mm-hmm. because those are a huge part of the the fish community, and every every species is either reliant upon another species for space, for food, or in the case of cleaner fish, actually for stress relief. Mm. Really, really funny kind of role that they play. Uh, fish will come to them, and it's almost like a spa by being touched by cleaner fish. 
cortisol levels drop. And where you have these cleaning stations, like the, the whale wash, uh, you have a lot more fish. Wow. Whoa. I'm... I didn't even realize that there was a cleaning fish. Yeah. I did not put that together. Like, I got that he was a cleaner in the movie, but that's an actual fish's job. <laughs> yep. That's their job. <laughs> <laughs> It's in the yeah, they, it's in the name, right? I was looking up like what kinds of fish these are, and one of them, I think the main one, Oscar, is a blue streak cleaner ras rasse ras. Yeah, is a, a cleaner ras, which doesn't translate well to podcast, probably. The, the cleaner, <laughs> <laughs> the cleaner w r a s s e cleaner rasses. Yeah, and they've done studies where they've taken these guys off the reef and they show that the fish just go away. That reefs that used to have a lot of fish have a lot less without them. Uh, they've done experiments where they put them in tanks and they let a fish choose between a meal and getting cleaned and fish will, might, might go to get cleaned preferentially over eating. Whoa. Uh, and like I said, they measured their hormone levels and showed that they, they drop. I mean, it's stressful getting put in a tank. So hormone levels are, are high. If they have not just a cleaning fish, but a fake cleaning fish that they can rub up against and touch, they, the fish become more relaxed. Oh my relaxed. God. Placebo fish. Placebo fish. Just mm -hmm. just the physical contact, which is funny to think about for a fish, um, can comfort them. Yeah. I mean, wow. I totally get that um, as a human, but I didn't even think yeah, as a fish that would make such a difference. And I would love to go get a massage right now to celebrate my uh, learning of that, but I feel like those are going to be closed for a while. Yeah, I don't. Mm -hmm. is, is social distancing a thing on the reef? That's who knows. <laughs> I mean, I guess not. I haven't heard anything about fish suffering from COVID nineteen. Have you? No, nothing, nothing yet. So they're doing something right. Maybe it's how they get cleaned. I don't know. So what what you were talking about with this community brings up a couple things, which I guess could be yeah inaccurate or far fetched potentially. So they are all having a ball it's like a busy day uh the news is going off it's like times square like natalie was saying it's like new york reef new york city reef i don't know if they had a fun name for that but then they all hide when the shark comes is that a typical thing they kind of panic and go to their like secret hiding spaces yeah i think that's probably what we would expect them to do um but what i see more typically is that the the fish kind of just go about their day hmm. and the sharks most of the time in the daytime, the sharks are not hunting actively, They're kind of just swimming around. Mm. Everybody hangs out in the same space. They're just saying, what's up? Yeah. And then kind of jumping around the film like, to the end, they make kind of like, a, like a, a deal where the Don, because again, this is a mafia movie. Okay. We're talking about Shark Tale, mm -hmm. animated film. Lone sharks. <laughs> <laughs> just... If you could just randomly chime in with as many puns as possible. You guys, it took me the whole movie to get that. <laughs> well, how? I don't blame you. They're throwing everything at you all at once. It's it's hard to keep track. It's like Continue, half, halfway through the movie, I'm randomly going, oh, Gup is like Gap. Yeah, it's a lot. Got it. Okay. No, yeah. No, that's cool. Um. At the end of the movie, he like wins over the Don, Robert De Niro. And so they the deal in front of the whole community is that he's like cool with the reef. He's like, all right, you know what? We'll leave your reef alone. And everybody celebrates. And I was thinking like, well, but now what are the sharks going to eat? How, doesn't this disrupt the entire food chain here, the entire ecosystem? Yeah, well, so y'all had already professed your love for seals. And, and there's bad news. If sharks are not feeding on the reef, there's somebody is going to have to feed them. Mm. So they just signed a death sentence for 
a, a whole another community. Exactly. Yeah. They just pushed, pushed them along to the poor seal community. Yeah. Great white sharks are, they own the ocean really. I mean, to have great white sharks kind of setting up shop on a, a specific reef is, is unheard of. They would, they might pass by, um, but they're going to be feeding all over the ocean on whatever is out there, including uh, maybe dead whales, uh, seals, uh, birds, uh, whatever, whatever is available over a really large area. Mm. And they need a huge area. Um, that's why shark conservation is, is so challenging is because most of the work that needs to be done needs to happen internationally and in uh, open ocean waters. So, you know, sorry to poke a hole in the, the plot point here, but those those sharks probably wouldn't have spent that much time. Wow. I mean, you just ruined the ending. <laughs> when they go out and, and start hunting in the open ocean. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry about that. Spoiler alert. Yeah. No, that's okay. I did it first, I think. Um, so I wanted to ask about the their vision, also a shark's vision, because for for a, a portion of the movie, Robert De Niro, the Don, doesn't recognize his son because his son is like painted as a dolphin. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was curious. I wish I was making that up. I was curious uh, if that if you were like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. They don't see too good. Mm-hmm. Their vision is pretty good, especially up close. Um, Whoops. And color is not really a big deal underwater. So the dolphin and the shark probably would look the same. They're, they're countershaded, which means that their belly is lighter than their top. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for a good reason. If you're looking up uh, from the bottom of the ocean, it's light above you. So it's harder to see something that's that's white on the belly. And if you're looking down, it's dark below you. So it's harder to see something that's dark on the top. Oh, okay. And both dolphins and sharks demonstrate uh, that. I mean, it's species dependent, but that's that's a fairly common feature for dolphins and sharks. So if he was far away, they might not be able to tell. But once he got closer to him, he would know that that's my son. Yeah, I think it, it would have been more convincing if he'd sold it with like a tail walk or um, some kind of a dolphin trick. That, that probably would have been more convincing than the, mm. the paint job. Or the dolphin noise, that E noise. Yeah. Do you want to, can you demonstrate that noise? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. There it is. Thank you. Uh, and let's just go uh, ahead and in post, put that up a couple octaves, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. On that note, do sharks, I mean, even we can expand to fish, like, do they have relationships? Would they even be like, that is my son, stay away, or is it not like that? Awesome question, because um, it's really dependent. Different types of sharks have different relationships. Some sharks will will lay eggs, and the eggs will hatch, and the sharks will be far away. But a lot of sharks give some form of either live birth, or the great white shark will have eggs uh, that the mom carries, and then uh, the eggs hatch inside of her and eat the, all the unfertilized eggs. So they're kind of growing up by eating their potential brothers and sisters, which sounds pretty gnarly until you think about the sand tiger shark. Um, those sharks, when they reproduce, the, uh, is the first uh, hatchlings will eat all the other um, hatchlings. They're actually like embryonic sharks. So they're, they have all the fins and everything. So they, they grow up as predators um, from the very beginning. and Eating uh, each other eating each other even before they're born. Yep. Yikes. Yeah. Great whites will can pop, pop several sharks at a time, wow. whether they'd ever know that that was their shark or not uh, is above my, my knowledge level. But they, they do display some social behaviors, especially if they're um, in an area with a lot of sharks, uh, like the Farallon Islands. There is a shark kind of uh, social activity going on out there. So they're not totally solitary their entire lives. 
And so typically they're, they're absentee parents, they're neglectful shark parents, but you're saying that each species of shark will give birth in a different way, that sharks don't just do this, you know, across the board? Yep. Yeah, there's a few different strategies. Um, the sharks that you would likely find on a reef uh, in a lot of cases are, well, some of the sharks like in the in, in Indonesian reef, like a wobegong, are, are going to be putting eggs down on the bottom. Mm. Uh, even on the East Coast, you can find these shark eggs washed up on the shore. Do you eat those? Never tried it. Have you tried it, Natalie? I've never, no, nothing. <laughs> never eaten any kind of shark. Have you eaten some sort of shark, Chad? No, never. Um, I, I have never eaten any kind of shark mm. either. It's kind of silly, the idea. I'm pretty sure, sh- isn't it illegal? Uh, some places. Yeah, yeah, but Chad's got to get into so much illegal shit on that secret island. Come on. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's a, we're still subject to U.S. laws. Sure, but sure. But just at- ethically, ethically eating the shark is probably not your best bet in terms of uh, a food source. Okay, so everybody stop eating sharks, okay? I'm serious. <laughs> no, it's not cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. So are there vegetarian sharks, such as Jack Black's character, who I'm forgetting his name? Lenny? Yes, Lenny. Thank you, Natalie. Not not vegetarian sharks. No, the manta rays um, are in the shark family, and they mostly eat plankton. So uh, plankton is either really, really tiny animals that are much smaller than a worm, or tiny plants. Um, That's the closest thing I could think Mm. of. But in terms of actual requiem sharks, which is what the great whites are, uh, they're all going to be eating meat for protein. Okay, well, I got to ask the question that is on everybody's mind. We, you know, we might as well just get to it. There's a scene where they're at a a racetrack, a seahorse racetrack, Mm. um, a classic scene. And how fast are seahorses? Classic. Well, it depends on how motivated they are, I guess. Okay. Maybe, maybe. They seem pretty motivated. They were, they were moving. <laughs> yeah, it could, it could be that all the... They were kicking up dirt. Uh, they probably just are unutilized. I'm sure, you know, if you were to get a good trainer um, down there, I knew that at some point Seabiscuit was going to come into play when we were talking about a shark's tail, and here it is. So the right, yep. the right trainer could make a seahorse move, I'm sure. But in general, they would rather hold on to a piece of debris and just look like a leaf. That's kind of their their jam, right? Yeah, I've kind of I've kind of always seen them just kind of floating, not moving. So it was surprising to see twelve seahorses booking it. Yeah, yeah, they like I said, they have to be really motivated. I mean, it it just may be that a lot of them. So what are we talking about? Fifty miles an hour? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what their Preakness time would be. I would reckon it probably wouldn't be very excited. <laughs> okay, so much slower than that. Yeah, that was not realistic. Yeah, much slower. Seahorses propel themselves with two tiny little pectoral fins. So think of the the arms of the fish, um, and they're really small. Mm-hmm. So they're almost like fluttering around, yeah. uh, like an oversized kind of uh, hummingbird. But they're not zipping around; they're moving through water. Okay, I have a question for both of you, um, specifically about the movie now, because I was a little bit confused mm-hmm. about this. So deep diving into into shark shark tail, why did Oscar? borrow 5,000 clams from Sykes in the first place? No clue. Chad? Yeah, that was lost to me also. I don't know. Do you know? I do not. I was, I was watching the movie, and I know that he owed Sykes 5,000 clams, uh, but I don't, we never got, I don't think, we got why that happened, and it seemed I like mean, a major plot point. He clearly has a gambling problem. Mm, oh, okay. Yeah. So it was just 
he was betting on the, the horses or the, something. Yeah, I think we're mm-hmm. led to believe that he has a gambling problem. He's always at the racetrack, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> trying to become famous. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which we learned from Will Smith is not that important. Well, yeah. Not only is it not that important, but uh, you know the the, <laughs> the cleaner fish are are famous already. So. He just has low self-esteem, really. Right. You know, people are coming, whales are swimming across the whole ocean to see him, right? Yeah, should be psyched up. Yeah. Whoa, I never even thought of it yeah, like I, that. I wrote down That's a quote great. because, you know, this movie has a lot of great quotes. Uh, nobody loves a nobody. I want to be a somebody by Oscar. But he's a somebody. You know, <laughs> he's already there. He just needs to realize it. Yeah. And that goes for all of you listening at home. <laughs> and speaking of Sykes, uh, which is played by Martin Scorsese, which I loved, and he should be in way more he animated did a great movies. Job, yeah, love yes. love Scorsese's voice here. Um, he's a porcupine fish. They blow up. They have poisonous spikes. Can you tell me a little bit more about that fish in particular? Because that's very cool to me. Yeah, Sykes would be a great boss because nobody messes with the porcupine fish. They're not fast, <laughs> um, but they're. They're actually the most derived uh, family of fish. So if you think of derived being evolved, um, they have come the mm-hmm. most recently on the evolutionary chain for fish species. And if you look at their biology, um, there's a, some indications of that. You mentioned the spikes. So they can rapidly inflate with water and create this really unappealing looking um, spiky ball that nothing wants to eat or mess with. Yeah. Uh, but if if you were successful eating it, they have another defense, which is even more impressive. Wow. Uh, Pufferfish uh, create a toxin in their tissues called tetrodotoxin. It's much more potent than cyanide. Whoa. Um, and it's, it's deadly. It's deadly to humans. It would probably be uh, harmful to most large predatory fish if they were to eat it. So they've wow. learned not only is it unpleasant, but it actually is not going to help you to eat this, this species. They kind of get a free pass on the reef for that reason. Whoa. So tetrodotoxin, is that what it was yeah, called? Yeah, tetrodotoxin is uh, pretty impressive. Um, it's extremely toxic. Uh, if you were to just cook up a whole puffer fish and eat it, you would almost certainly die. Oh, my God. So don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, but if, you, you know, if you're into sushi and, and <laughs> you're not getting what you need from eating shark eggs, um, you can check out fugu, which is a sushi preparation of puffer fish. And when it's properly prepared, it can create numbness and tingling in the mouth, um, some feelings of euphoria. Whoa. Uh, if it's improperly prepared, the results can be pretty bad. Have you had this? I have not. I have not had fugu. I'm not brave enough to try it. You'd have to really trust your sushi chef. Doesn't seem mm. worth the risk. Yeah. I wonder how they prepare something like that so that it doesn't kill you. I mean, are you? do they bleach it or like boil it? <laughs> yeah, good question. Bleach it. <laughs> I just have so many dead porcupine fish at my house right now, and I don't know <laughs> if I'm not going to eat it, what do I do? Yeah, that's probably, you probably want to talk to someone about that. It could be a problem. I Well, I was hoping to talk to you because it's a goddamn fish graveyard in here. <laughs> I have, um, I had a question about the jellyfish. Yeah, Um, please. So can jellyfish, they can't sting each other. Is that true? And also- I thought you were going to ask if they were all Jamaican. I was going to say, do they love reggae? (laughs) Uh, The reggae one is a great question. Um, And it, you know, the idea of a jellyfish video, reggae video, is that where- where Shark Tale is naturally going to end up. Um, Definitely. I don't know. I'm putting it yes. out there. If, if Ziggy Marley's listening. Which he um, is. <laughs> of course. Wasn't that... I think he was in it. I think the they were voiced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. 
Uh, him and uh, Dougie Doug, who I love from Operation Dumbo Drop. Yeah. So and Cool Runnings. <laughs> Another awesome film. Uh, so what what uh, jellyfish do actually is they can choose what they sting. So they're not uh, automatically going around stinging things. They have some chemoreceptors, and they have cells that are like coiled springs with darts on the end um, called nematocysts. And if they touch something and the chemical signature comes back and says, we know what this is, this is another jellyfish, then those nematocysts just don't fire. Mm. Uh, if they touch something and the, the signature comes back and says either we don't know what this is or this is prey, then then they fire the nematocysts. That's when the intense stinging power of the jellyfish comes comes into play. So they can consciously... But they have a choice. Yeah, and, and there's those cells may be on autopilot uh, to an extent. But wow. when they touch each other, they don't tend to sting. That's why you can see them in beautiful, like the Monterey Bay Aquarium and mm -hmm. uh, Georgia Aquariums. They can keep them in the same tanks without having them just kill each other all the time. And sorry, but you mentioned that they would sting prey. And I think they sting fish in this movie. So are you saying that they would like sting a fish and then eat it somehow? feed off of it? Yeah, sure. Um, that's, you know, the reason that they have those stingers is so that they can, can capture prey. So anything that drifts by and is, is eat edible to them, uh, they'll, they'll sting it. But they don't have mouths, right? So are, what do they like electrically suck up the nutrients? Yeah, they're funny animals. Um, they, they have, they're basically like a colonial organism. So all their cells are designed to do specific things and they cooperate with each other. Uh, they don't really have a central nervous system. So they have cells that just sting. They have cells hmm. that just tell them which direction they're going or provide buoyancy. And then they have cells that digest. Um, so they'll pull it up into the bell, which is the big round part of the jellyfish, and they will digest their meal right there. Sometimes you wow. can see them uh, digesting wow. the fish. That's crazy. So cool. Um, okay, so I, I have a question about a particular line um, Robert De Niro delivers. And Natalie, if you want, you can give us your take of this line mm -hmm. because he says... If he pops a gill, I want to know about it. So my question was, do fish pop gills? Because I've never heard of that. And um, and yeah, Natalie, if you want to just do your famous Robert De Niro impression, that's fine with me. Um, if he pops a gill, I want to know about it. Did I do well? No, I didn't. So good. <laughs> <laughs> what does he mean? What's he trying to say? Yeah, what is he? I think he's trying to say, like, if he... You know, if he crosses the street without looking, I want to know. Like, you, you've, you know, follow him very intently and report back to me. Yeah. Mm. But he said Papa Gill. That's the part that confused me. Yeah, you know, I wonder if they wanted to say steps out of line and then they had a scientist on staff who said, wait, fish can't step. Let's, let's figure out another metaphor here. Papa <laughs> Gill. Did they have a scientist on staff? <laughs> I think we've established, you know. <laughs> Just by virtue of, of the cleaner fish. They did. I'm sure they did. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So you've never heard of a fish popping a gill or is that a real thing that a scientist put in there? Yeah, no, I haven't heard of a fish popping a gill. Damn. I think it would be a problem if they did. You know, that's that's like a lung popping out of your mouth. They need those. Right. Yeah. And I hate when that happens too, by the way. Super annoying. There's um, Oscar, like you were said before, he, he wants to be a somebody. He's talking about the top of the reef. He's like, looking up and he's like, man, that's where the somebodies live. And I was wondering if there is actually like a physical difference between the animals that live at the top of the reef and are they better in some way or more uh, powerful, dangerous? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I think that the idea of the coral city is legit, right? Because corals are 
are always growing, uh, always growing up toward the sun. And when they can, they'll grow right up to the edge of the ocean. In terms of like a, a social hierarchy at the top of the reef, what you tip, tend to get on top of the corals are really small fishes um, that are living associated with the reef itself. What's interesting is that you'll have kind of a, a shift change every day. So all the fish that are out in the daytime will go down into the reef, usually at night, uh, into holes um, to kind of rest. And the fish that are hanging out in holes at the nighttime will come out at night and feed or, or do their thing. Hmm. So uh, it's not like a, a set fish at the top of the reef that rules everything. But yeah, I think I think that maybe when you're equating the reef to a high-rise apartment building, then things can get a little bit fuzzy. I think that might have been the challenge there. Did you guys think it was weird how the sharks were attracted to Lola the fish? <laughs> <laughs> she had a quote that I wrote down when she was at the racetrack. She turns to Oscar and says, Deep down, I'm really superficial. Just like yeah, I did love that. <laughs> that was very funny. Just like puts it all out there. Uh, yeah. Was she supposed to be a specific kind of fish too? Yeah, I think so. Um, first of all, that's a deep insight, right? Mm-hmm. I've searched my soul and found that I'm superficial. I mean, just just doing that is is testament. But I think what what's really cool about Lola and about Oscar and what was Oscar's um, other love interest name? Do we remember that one? The more down to earth, oh, Angie Renee Zellweger. Oh yeah, okay, and, and Angie. Yeah, Angie is that. So that species of fish is actually hermaphrodite, which means that they're all essentially born female, and the male will have a, all three of these fish. Yeah, well, they, when they were when they were first hatched out uh, of, of the plankton, so mm-hmm. they drifted around for a while in the ocean, and then when they settled onto the reef, they were likely all female. At some point, uh, the largest females uh, in the absence of a male will will become a male. Wow. So that's that's hermaphrodism, and that's a certain type of hermaphrodism going from female to male, which is not uncommon in the wrasses and the parrot fishes. Hmm. But what's really cool about this species in particular is that it can go back. Oh. So if you were to uh, then have a larger male come into the group, the male would turn back into a female. It would it would go back into that role. So that to me is just really a, a funny thing about having a love interest that could be both male and female. I mean, Oscar would be really attuned uh, to um, Renee Zellweger, and but but these fish have an interesting life cycle that uh, I, I don't know if that would make them attractive to sharks or not. But the sharks would be really interested in the services they can provide. So maybe she looked like she was really good at cleaning the shark, and that that could cause them to want to come in. Well, she was a lionfish from what I read. So do those clean sharks? Uh, I missed that if that was the case. She, I thought she was the same species as Oscar. Oh. Um, so no, lionfish definitely. Lola was or Angie? Yeah, I thought they were both. Oh, Lola was a lionfish. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I, man, I missed the animation on that completely. I thought they were both cleaner fish. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you didn't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> I take it all back. So, you know, Angie and Oscar are in right. that hermaphroditic world. Uh, lionfish, to my knowledge, are not. And they don't clean sharks. Uh, sharks can eat lionfish. And in fact, they do uh, in the Florida and sort of uh, around the Keys. Lionfish are an invasive species and divers have been training the sharks to eat them down there for a little while, kind of showing them that they can be can be eaten. Wow. Okay. Sounds like a dangerous job. Did anyone notice at the end of the movie when Angie said you had me at hello? Yes, of course. 
from Jerry Maguire? <laughs> yeah, I think there was there was a few times where characters would quote themselves from <laughs> other movies in this movie. Yeah. Had to, maybe that was part of their contract. Well, th- I was going to ask, how does that work? Is that a, do you buy a line from another movie? I don't know. I have I'm no not idea. Sure. Yeah, it's a good question. I'll get back to you on that. Um, <laughs> they showed a shark at one point biting through an anchor's chain, and I know that sharks have extremely powerful uh, jaws from the movie Jaws. But can they bite through an anchor's chain? Yeah, probably not. Anchors anchors chains are designed to hold really heavy heavy boats. Did it with so. ease. I think that that's that's not likely. Well, I I love the movie until this point, but now that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I think you found the first the first actual flaw. This is a huge flaw, yeah, and it's unforgivable, and that's the truth. One of the fish say it's not safe to be out here at night. I think Will Smith is talking to some of the other fish who are like doing graffiti, from what I remember. Um, oh yeah. So I was wondering if fish sleep at all, and if it is less or more dangerous for them to be. Uh, wandering around the community at night. Yeah, um, so they, they kind of do. I mean, we talked about how they share space. Um, so fish will go into a real dormant mode. Some of them will literally lay on the bottom and sleep. Um, one really good example of that is the the parrotfish, the really rainbow-colored, beautiful fish mm. uh, that are associated with reefs everywhere. In the daytime, they're swimming around and really vibrant um, actually taking care of the reef by removing a lot of the, the seaweed that's there. But at night, they'll go into the bottom and secrete a mucus cocoon around themselves. So they kind of just blow this bubble around their whole body. Whoa. And then they shut down. And as long as nothing pops that bubble, they're totally relaxed. They make a bubble of their own mucus? A mucus bubble around their body while they sleep. Yeah. Um, you can get right up next to it. Wow. As long as you don't disturb the mucus, they're they're chill. <laughs> Um, we've had to c- collect some for some experiments in Hawaii at night. Wow. And if you go down and you kind of just put a net next to them gently and then sort of tap that bubble, they'll swim into the net and then they'll fall back asleep as long as they have something around them. Oh, my God. That's adorable. <laughs> um, so, yeah, fish can sleep. Wow. Uh, you know, sharks are an example of fish that is always sounds really cozy, always swimming. So sharks don't fully shut down, but they'll go into kind of a dormant mode, too, where they're a lot more more relaxed. Is that when they're at their weakest point? If you were trying to kill a shark or, you know, uh, eliminate him from your community, should you wait until he's on sleepy <laughs> autopilot mode? I think if that was your premise that you're going to sneak up on the shark, that might be your best chance. <laughs> but they're still, you know. They're st- yeah, well, because I'm writing a movie called uh, Shark Sneaks and people, <laughs> it, you just got to sneak up on sharks. They and then, and then if they do and they kill the shark, they get $10,000. Nice. If you're interested. Yeah, okay. Well, it'll have to happen in international waters, I think. But I, I like it. I like, I like the premise. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everything I do is international waters. Yeah. All right, good. I believe that. Words to live by. <laughs> um, all right, well, we are, uh, we're running out of time, but I've uh, very much enjoyed this conversation. And Natalie, you are in a, an unbelievable band called Cape Weather. And uh, do you want to tell people where they can find your music or if you have a new video or songs coming out? Yeah. Quick question. Please. Did you ask me to do Shark Tale because my band is Cape Weather? No, I did not put that together. <laughs> um, anyways, um, thanks for having me. And um, we have a new record coming out this summer. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Cape underscore weather. Awesome. I highly implore everyone to do so. Songs are unbelievable. Thank you. Uh, watch the videos, too. All the videos are freaking great. 
So thank you for making fantastic music. Um, and, uh, and Chad, how can people um, sign up to go uh, swim with you and do some spearfishing? On a private island. Uh, yeah. Yeah, check it out. Um, there's a lot of ways that people can find out more. Uh, you can visit nature.org slash Palmyra. Uh, you can find us on the Vela Sailing Series, V-E-L-A, um, Episode 3 with John John Florence and his crew. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at TNC Hawaii, all one word. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at nature underscore H-I. Great. So yeah, write down all your uh, shark tail questions and and ask. Yes, uh, and send us all of your shark tail questions, please. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> Is that. Is that the sole purpose of why you created the outreach? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we want we want to get the word out about actually hope for coral reefs. I think that a lot of what we see is is true about how urgent the ocean uh, climate crisis is. Yeah, uh, but there is also some a lot of hope out there and we need that in order to to solve these problems and that's why you're promoting hashtag raise the reef yeah hashtag raise the reef and quickly <laughs> what can we do is there anything we can do that's like a simple thing to help save the reef how do we raise this reef how are we going to raise the reef there's a ton of things we can do um in you know everything really everything we do is tied to either the global climate or to the waste stream mm -hmm. so reducing waste stream by reducing our use of single-use plastics mm -hmm. um, supporting better policies to prevent pollution from land from going into the ocean at all uh, supporting conservation work yes. to heal lands that have been degraded and that are currently impacting um, habitats in the ocean and then really looking at how are we going to make the biggest impact we can on climate change. I think this clock is ticking and we need to do everything we can to both reduce our emissions and to uh, mitigate them by planting as many trees as possible and really taking care of the land and the water. And it's daunting when you look at it all together, but, you know, go plant a tree, volunteer on a beach cleanup, um, make better food choices. There's, there's a lot that wow. we can all do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Everything helps. Do it all. Thank you both for joining me. And just to be specific, Chad, if people are going to vote um, just to, you know, across the board, would you um, implore them to uh, vote Democratic or Republican? The question about uh, which party to support uh, to address the climate crisis is a really tough one because half of voting Americans alone aren't going to fix climate change. Mm -hmm. um, since nature is important to 100% of all humans, and our job as citizens is to move our communities and our parties toward the solutions that secure the best future for the world. We need to we need to do more um, to move our parties where where we need them to be. Yeah, this is a, a really tough time for us um, in in America and the world. Um, and the, the fact is, the most vulnerable members of humanity are suffering because of actions the rest of us are taking. Uh, people without a voice. So we have to be accountable for ourselves and understand that government solutions are going to take time. We have to re reduce emissions of greenhouse gases and capture a larger percentage of emissions. Yep. While we should aspire to create a perfect government, we can't afford to wait for it before we act. A world that is on fire, too dry to grow food, too hot to support fisheries, and too violent to protect ourselves and our most vulnerable citizens from extreme storms is not a world in which humans will thrive regardless of the color of their state. So we need to act now as individuals and communities while we work together to move the government to where it needs to be in order to address the crisis. And frankly, there, there are and will continue to be 
priority social issues that must be addressed. Mm. And it's easier to postpone climate action in the absence of urgency. But the reefs are screaming, extinctions are happening. People with no resources are losing ancient villages and agricultural systems in low-lying areas. Fisheries are migrating. People right here in the United States are losing their homes to massive storms and fires. And so our most vulnerable members of humanity are suffering because of actions the rest of us are taking. Gotcha. So let's act now um, to do what we can as individuals while we work to move the government where it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I thank you both for joining me. And um, if they do make a Shark Tale too, I hope we get together and discuss it and break it down. Same. All right. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks, Sally. Thank you, Chad. Thank you both. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Emily Felt. Our engineer is Jeremy Schmidt. Bad Science is edited by Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. I love you. Don't tell my girlfriend. And the executive pro De Niro shark deucer is Brett Kushner. Oh, follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Pod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at badscienceatseeker.com. That's badscienceatseeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like a Uber driver, but it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye.